12 Ounce Sports. Visit us at 12OunceSportsRadio.com. It's the Birthday Bash in episode 155 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast as yours truly turns the Big 3-2. The Big 3-2. No, I don't know when I became a lame adult either, but I'll talk about my birthday and what I expect for this upcoming year. Hopefully we have sports. And also a change to this podcast and plus some sports tidbits. It's all happening here on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the leewmallon.com slash podcasts to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. Yes, indeed. My birthday was June 5th, and thank you to all that wish me a happy birthday, or if you're shouting at your screen like a totally normal person would, thank you for the birthday wishes. I'm really looking forward to year 3-2 on this earth. I'm really looking forward to high school football returning. Hopefully it does. Knock on wood. That's me knocking on wood. And hopefully we get sports back soon. It does look good. But we won't know until closer to time, and it's June. You talk about high school football closer to August than anything, I guess, but yes. Yours truly is very excited for year 32 on this earth. I have an announcement to make about my podcast as well, and I'm very excited for this one. For the first time in uh, quite some time, I don't exactly know how long, but This podcast is now part of the 12-Ounce Sports Network family. And you can visit these fine folks at 12OZ12OunceSportsRadio.com. And I will be writing for this website. I'll be talking about Southwest Ohio sports, what all I cover, and just a little bit about everything. Uh, Remember the poll I had on my Twitter? I don't even remember when it was. It was sometime during the quarantine. Go back and look. No, you don't have to go back and look it up. I pretty much asked, hey, should I go back and blog? Well, my initial plan was, hey, maybe I write a couple posts here and there on my website, like old times' sake. But then 12-Ounce says, hey, you want to write for us? Like, sure. And now I'm writing for 12-Ounce Sports. So definitely uh, give them a checkout. They have their own store and a little bit of everything. A lot of good sports people on this website. Looking forward to talking with them some more. But, yeah, I'm back to writing about sports. I gave up sports blogging just not because I got sick of it. I just, eh, I didn't like the topics and I just writer's block and everything. I have a lot of excuses. Which one do you want to hear? But, to better my craft, especially during the quarantine, I feel like I need to. Also, yours truly is recording on a new laptop. Yes, that's my birthday present, a new laptop. And really love it so far. It's a fast machine. So if podcast episodes sound a little different from 155 onwards, it's because I haven't set up all the settings on Audacity correctly. Heck, I still have to put in the keyboard secrets and all that stuff. I used to be able to do it on my old machine, just bing, 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 just like that. But, yeah, it's, my laptop's about eight, nine years old, so, yeah, it was time for an upgrade. Not getting rid of it, I'll still have it in, you know, in case of an emergency or I decide, yeah, I'll go red machine. So, there you go. A little bit of uh, fun for yours truly. So, yeah. Again, if everything sounds different, 155, I'm sorry I haven't figured it out. Also, Audacity in the newest editions, they get rid of the equalization option and make it into two separate ones, uh, Filter Curve and Graphic EQ. 
I'm pretty sure they do the same thing. I, I hope not. If it sounds weird, just scream at me from the computer or find me on social media. That's probably how I'll hear you. Anyway, other than the podcast now part of the 12-ounce sports family and yours truly back to writing and it was my birthday, yes, there are a few sports things I can talk about. First off, a rumor of some sorts, meaning it well, might not happen, it might happen, who knows. Robert Morris. Now, Robert Morris is in Moon Township, Pennsylvania, and actually it was my third choice that I would have made, fourth choice, because I have Wright State, Cincinnati, Dayton, and then Robert Morris sent me uh, some pamphlets. Robert Morris, they have a lot of good sports. They're currently in the Northeast Conference. Uh, the Horizon League is looking at the Colonials. Which, that would give the HL a nice footprint in Pittsburgh. So it would be from Pittsburgh to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And that would be another major media market in the league. In fact, I think Youngstown is the smallest one. But then again, when you're pinballed between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, there you go. Yeah, I think that'd be a wonderful fit. Especially since the addition of Purdue Fort... Well, maybe Fort Wayne would be the smallest. Hmm. Did not think that through. Someone tell me which one, which media market's smaller, Fort Wayne or Youngstown, Ohio. I'll await your answers. Okay, no, I won't. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I like the Robert Morris fit. The only questions I have are, are you going to be okay with adding another football school? Robert Morris has football. They also have lacrosse and ice hockey for men and women. And they're pretty darn good at that hockey sport, too, the Colonials are. In fact, the red jerseys are very, very nice. But all the other sports, it's a nice fit. Like I mentioned, Pittsburgh, it's 60 miles away from Youngstown. Not an awful trip. But the question I have is travel partners. What are you going to do about travel partners? Obviously, you don't touch Wisconsin, Green Bay, Milwaukee. Those are partners for life until one or both jump out of the Horizon League. You probably won't touch the Michigan partners of Oakland and Detroit Mercy. You have three schools in Ohio in the Horizon League, Wright State, Youngstown State, and Cleveland State. In Indiana, you have IUPUI and Purdue-Fort Wayne. So you have those schools. You also have the UIC Flames in Chicago. Obviously, you can't put UIC and Robert Morris together. What kind of travel partnership is that? Answer, not a very good one. Right State, Robert Morris, uh, not the worst, but uh, yeah, there's that school called Norfolk, Kentucky. That's probably not happening. Uh, Robert Morris, Youngstown State, that'd be a perfect matchup. Like I mentioned, just 60 miles away from each other. But what's that going to do to Cleveland State? I don't know if you get rid of the UIC-IUPUI tandem, Indianapolis-Chicago, not in that order, of course. I don't know if you do that, but then what's going to happen to Purdue-Fort Wayne? Where's their travel partner? Are you going to have a group of three? No, because that would mean an equal amount of teams, wouldn't it? So forget I said that. Or do you do an east-west formation where you have six in the east, six in the west? Of course, Robert Morris would be in the east. Wright State, Cleveland State, Youngstown State. Uh, Let's see, that would be four Purdue-Fort Wayne. But then we run into the problem, Detroit, Mercy, Oakland. There's two of those schools, you know. In the West, definitely the Wisconsin teams, UIC. You could probably throw IUPUI in the West. You could probably throw Purdue-Fort Wayne in the West, too, just because Fort Wayne and Indianapolis are not that far apart. How long or how far are they? I don't know, but they're pretty close together. So... Yeah, I, I would love to see Robert Morris. Actually, I'm going to check it out and see if Robert Morris has baseball. My big thing is, I hope the new school that comes into the Rising League has baseball. And it looks like they do, except I clicked on basketball by accident because I am good at technology. Let's try that again. This is also kind of nice with the two laptops, but it's not going to be a normal. That is Robert Morris, Chicago, which is not 
the same Robert Morse we're talking about. Like I mentioned, Robert Morse, the D1 school is in Boone Township, Pennsylvania, in the Pittsburgh area. It might look like that is a no for baseball, and that makes me sad. I mean, yes, the addition of Purdue-Fort Wayne gives the Horizon League seven baseball teams, but how nice it would be to have an eighth team. Think about that. Think about where your conference tournament is not, oh, last place team doesn't make it. I don't know. But, yeah, there is no baseball. For Robert Morris, there's basketball, football, golf, ice hockey, lacrosse, and soccer for the men. For the women, there's basketball, cross country, ice hockey, lacrosse, rowing, softball, soccer, track and field, and volleyball. So yeah, that would be a pretty nice fit if Robert Morris did go that route. And also, there was a retweet of that about the contract that Robert Morris and Youngstown State have for men's basketball, as they have a series. If Robert Morris, if slash when Robert Morris joins the Horizon League, the contract becomes null and void, because obviously you have to play each other. It's the Horizon League, after all. No, it's conference play. So that is interesting. Again, not confirmed. And yes, Robert Morris to the Horizon League is not a new rumor in the slightest. I think we have Robert Morris to the Horizon League when I went to Wright State. So, yeah, it's a pretty old rumor. Would I like it? Yeah. But we shall see. I don't know who else you would add. There's uh, Bellarmine in Louisville. I think it's Bellarmine. might be Bellarmine, even. But when they move from D2 to D1... Will the Horizon League take them? I mean, look at Northern Kentucky. They did not get in the Horizon League when they jumped to the D1 ship. They actually had to spend a couple years baking in the Atlantic Sun. And then they got in the Horizon League. And I think that fit has been absolutely outstanding for not only Northern Kentucky U, but the Horizon League as well. And also Wright State NKU. Best rivalry in the Horizon League. You can at me on this one. But... Robert Morris to the Horizon League. That is a rumor floating around again. But I'll tell you something that's not a rumor. MLS is back. All 26 MLS teams resume season at the ESPN Worldwide Sports. Worldwide. Actually, what is that? ESPN WWS. Wide World of Sports. Wow. The Worldwide Weeder of Sports. Sorry, I have to put my head in my hands because, yeah, I know I did a bad fail. But all 26 MOS teams in the 25th year of MOS will be in Orlando. And this is from the fine folks at the Columbus Crew. Remember, this podcast not only covers FC Cincinnati, but the crew. Because yours truly was a crew fan before FC Cincinnati was a thing. FC Cincinnati was a thing in the USL. Now they're in the MLS, and I root for both because I'm the most evil man alive. Actually, I know that is not the truth, but laugh at it. Why don't you? So this is going to start July 8th, so we still have a little bit of wait, a little less than a month. It is the MOS's back tournament at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, not the Worldwide Wide of Sports Complex like I thought it was, at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The tournament, which will be played without fans in attendance, provides a compelling way for MOS to resume its 25th season. This is from the press release on the website. Actually, no, this is from MLS, and this is on the crew website, so there you go. Group stage matches will count in the MOS regular season standings, and the tournament winner will under spot in the 2021 Scotiabank CONCIEF Champions League. Is that Scotiabank? Nova Scotia? Yeah, I guess that'd be. We are pleased to team up with Disney to relaunch the 2020 MOS season and get back to playing soccer, said MOS Commissioner Don Garber. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll get to the important parts, but yeah, all 26 teams will be in Orlando, Florida, which, yes, for the second year of Caleb Porter in Columbus and the second year of FC Cincinnati and the MOS, maybe not the way you wanted it, maybe not the way to celebrate the last year of Nippert Stadium and 
getting into West End Stadium next year. Hopefully everything is still A-OK on that. Come to think of it, doesn't the Cruise Stadium, the new Cruise Stadium open next year too? Or is that on a different timeline? I don't know. I see a lot of construction pictures on both stadium sites. And let me tell you, that's nice. It's it's great that both Ohio MLS teams are getting new stadiums. It's even nicer that the old stadium, Maffrey Stadium, or formerly Columbus Crew Stadium once upon a time, it's going to be reused into a sports community park, meaning lots of soccer pitches. I love that, and I wish more teams would do something like that. So hats off to the crew for that. So rolling down this, like I said, not going to read the entire thing. As the host club, Orlando City SC will be given the top seed in Group A, which will be the 16 group, and will play the first match July 8th. The five remaining seeds will consist of the four semifinalists from last year's MLS Cup playoffs, which is Atlanta United, Los Angeles Football Club, Seattle Sounders FC, and Toronto FC, and Real Salt Lake, the team with the next highest points total in the Western Conference from last year. Also, if you hear rain, it's because that big storm has finally hit Dayton. Thought it was supposed to hit us this afternoon, but no. Let's just do it when I'm recording episode 155. Thanks, weather people. No, I'm just kidding, by the way. Looking down through here, upon completion of the MLS is back tournament. MLS plans to continue its regular season with a revised schedule in the home markets, followed by the Audi MLS Cup playoffs and the 25th MLS Cup. The schedule will be developed at a later date. So, MLS's back tournament is not the only soccer we'll get. Which, actually, I think that's a new point I learned. I knew that the tournament was in development. And, of course, NBA's been talking about have almost all but, what, seven teams go to Orlando and finish off a little bit of the regular season and then get to the playoffs? Or is it just get to the playoffs type of thing? I guess that makes more sense. But, there you go. Scroll down through here. Uh, teams can start arriving in Florida. Or start to arrive in Florida. That's better grammar. Uh, on June 24th, the MLS's back tournament starts July 8th. And then you start your round of 16 in the tournament July 25th to 28th. Quarterfinals July 30th through August 1st. Semifinals the 5th through 6th of the month. And the final is August 11th. So... In the whole tournament through July 8th until August 11th, you have 54 matches, 39 group, and 15 knockout, which I believe the knockout will be closer towards, you know, the quarterfinals or round 16 even. You have 26 match days. You have group stage followed by round of 16, quarters, semis, and championship. Each club will have three matches, but no more than seven. So, yeah. MLS is back, baby. And then you get Sweet 16. It's the round of 16, baby, or something like that. But, yeah, I like it. Because you know what that means? Sports are back. Looking through here to make sure there isn't anything else that I'm forgetting about talk. Don't see a schedule for the crew nor FC Cincinnati, so that might have to come at a later episode, which is fine. But... Yeah, soccer's back. How can you not be happy with that? I think we'll take a quick break and come back with a little bit more. There is a very exciting bit of news for Cincinnati, and I definitely want to be the one to share it with you. And it's the first for Mount St. Joseph University. I'll leave you that note, but don't forget, the Tea Public Store. Tell them about it, myself. Listeners, you can buy the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast merchandise thanks to Tee Public. You have a strong choice of variety from t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies, coffee mugs, phone cases, magnets, stickers, notebooks, totes, and even more. Tee Public also holds frequent sales too, where you can save up to 35% off on just about everything. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on the blue Shop My Store at Public button. A portion of each sale helps out the podcast. What are you waiting for? Wear the gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast, thanks to Tee Public. 
Again, visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast, then click on the blue Shop My Store at Tee Public button. Tee Public. So guess what happened? Before the Tee Public break, I noticed that Audacity was recording my audio a little bit faster than what I was actually saying. So sounded a little bit off, so I had to change that, and of course, because I didn't realize which way the change speed option to go. It sounded just like this. And then it sounded just like this, which is probably better for the listeners just because it goes so fast and you don't have to hear me that much. But there you go. So yeah, there's that. As we continue on with episode 155, it's going to be a brief episode just because of the fact that, well, I'll tell you the plans a little bit later. Some important news, not concerning what I wanted to talk about. My Twitter account is 10 years old today. Yes, I'm recording this June 10th, and I've had my personal Twitter account for 10 years. It's been a lot of sports. Actually, tons of sports, a little personality mixed in. By little personality, I mean outside sports. I don't tweet much, so a little personality is right. I really need to work on that eventually, but yeah. 10 years of being on Twitter. Actually, it's a little bit longer because I also ran the WWSC 106.9 sports account for, was that the first or second year I was sports director that we did that? I was say it was the first year. So I've been on Twitter since 2008. Marvelous. And my personal account is 10 years old now. So if you're looking to give me gifts because of that, because that's totally a thing people do, uh, just keep listening to this podcast. That's all I can really ask you. Also, shop at Tee Public, especially when we have flash sales. By we, I mean Tee Public. And every little bit of each sale goes to help me out. So, yeah, that would be most appreciative. Of course, if you have money. If you don't, no big deal. Just having you aboard listening to me talk about Cincinnati Dayton Sports. That's what I like. And also, I have a special guest, Cassie the Cat, who's normally asleep during these podcast episodes, is wanting to play Spring. So, I should have a whole episode talking about our cat and the neat things she does. She's she's a great kitty. But, there you go. My Twitter account is 10 years old. Celebrate accordingly. I guess. Actually, there is another thing I want to talk about. Two things. I wanted to talk about no three things. This is why I script all my episodes because if I don't script my episodes, then it becomes a free form mess, and I hate messes as well as that hedgehog. No, not that. So the first one I like to talk about is Sanction Ohio Girls Wrestling. This is Twitter user oh girl wrestling. Now my personal thoughts: sanction that sport immediately. I love it when not only men, but women can have the same opportunities in sports. And I think Ohio would be a perfect state to be the 26th to sanction the sport. Florida was the 25th. In fact, that just happened earlier this week. So the Ohio Girls High School Wrestling Task Force announces the launch of Hashtag Sanction OH, a grassroots effort to work towards getting high school girls wrestling approved as a sanctioned sport in Ohio. And the press release is attached to that tweet. Again, that's sanction o- hashtag sanction OH. And the press release is as follows. The activities of the campaign include educate wrestling coaches and school administrators on girls wrestling, work with individual schools to form official high school girls wrestling teams, provide resources to schools and coaches to develop girls teams, work with the OHSAA Coaches Committee and State Office on sanctioning efforts and the creation of an OHSAA State Championship and help coordinate competition opportunities for girls until sanctioning is achieved. Meaning, before Ohio says, okay, it's a sport and all schools can have it if they want, they want a way for girls to be able to wrestle. And like I mentioned before, I love it. Wrestling's such a great sport. It requires all your physicality and all your wits. I mean, you might think, oh, you're just slamming them down onto the mat and, you know, try to pin them. Ooh, there's more to that. And 
I I love being able to announce the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association. You might have heard that in a couple episodes or almost all of them. But yeah, I I really want to see this take flight just because of the fact that girls can wrestle too. We had a couple actually uh yeah, this past 2019 when I was trying to think if we did or not. But yeah, at, of course, there's a couple state champs, Olentangy, Liberty, Miami East. Those are probably the two programs you think about, Miami East being the one closest to us. Miami East had the first ever state title winner. I think it was Olivia Shore, I think. But absolutely, this should be a sport. If the boys can do it, why can't the girls? So definitely it's something I hope takes flight, and it might take a few years to get off the ground, but... I say if there's opportunities, let them be. Again, if you want more on this, uh, Twitter is at OH Girl Wrestling. Just the one girl, but there you go. There is a second part to this press release. The communication lead for the Ohio Girls High School Wrestling Task Force is Jeff Martin, and he says this is a great opportunity for young women in Ohio to be able to wrestle against their own gender. It's time we get to the forefront of the national movement. The time is now to make a push with sustained effort to sanction girls wrestling in Ohio. Which brings me to this point. Because there really isn't girls wrestling in Ohio yet, other girls go against boys. Just because that's most of your foes. Now, Grand, it's gotten, you know, girls versus girls a little bit more. Especially that tournament I mentioned. When did I mention that? It seems like years ago. Thanks, quarantine. But... Absolutely. I, I feel like this will get done. I feel like it will get passed. And I sincerely hope it does. In fact, the media contact might be a coach from... Would that be Olentangy Local School District? So, yeah, that'd be Olentangy Orange right there. And you know how much I like the Pioneers hockey jersey. So, way to go up there, Pioneers. So, yes, that is one thing I wanted to talk about. Something that... Uh, made me smile because this is a coach jumping from rival to rival this time. Abby Moore was the head coach of girls basketball at Franklin Monroe. No, not Franklin, not Monroe, Franklin Monroe. Just in case this is your first time listening to this podcast, Franklin and Monroe are villages in, or actually cities, in Franklin's in Warren County, Monroe's in Butler County. Franklin Monroe is based off Monroe Township in Southern Dark County, southeast of Greenville on U, uh, State Route 49. Arcanum is the closest rival. They are in the same league, the Cross County Conference, and next year, the Western Ohio Athletic Conference. So Abby Moore is now the head coach of the Arcanum Trojans. Very good program, Franklin Monroe Jets. And very good program, Arcanum Trojans. Trojans get a very good head coach. And definitely looking forward to seeing what Arcanum can do and looking forward to see what Franklin Monroe does next. So that is from Jim DeBelt at JDabs86. And hopefully soon I have him on as a guest for the third time this podcast history because he is writing a book. And I believe he'd be the third author I've interviewed behind Chuck Gabringer and Chick Lockwood because he wrote a book about the Bengals in 2004, which is very cool. The Wright State Raiders, they get a big commitment from a Chaminade Julian pitcher in Sebastian Gongora. You might know that name, Sebastian Gongora, because he pitched for two state championship baseball teams at CJ. Yes, the CJ baseball program, very good. And winners of the last two state titles in... Which division is it? I probably should have looked that up. But this is from Dayton Daily News. Dayton Daily News on Twitter. Yeah, Wright State's getting a good lefty. Sebastian Gongor, like I mentioned, played for two state championship baseball teams at CJ, and he announced his commitment to WSU Monday. You can read through the article. I have it retweeted on mine. So let me tell you about Gongor's high school career at Chaminade Julienne. Sophomore year. Six wins, one loss, and ERA of 1.47. For those that don't know about ERA, the lower the number is, the less amount of runs you give up. 
ERA is earned runs average, pretty much runs that score that aren't helped with errors are counted against you, basically. So yeah, 1.47 ERA as a sophomore. Yeah, that's pretty good. In the 2018 state championship against the Redskins of Wapakoneta, his two-run go-ahead single in the top of the seventh broke a tie and carried the Eagles to a 3-1 win for their first title. Let me tell you about 2019. Gongora, nine wins, no losses. ERA lowered down to 1.15. Yeah, that is what we know in the term of baseball as great stuff. In the D2 state championship game that season, I was going to say three. I'm glad I looked that up. Gongora allowed one run on four hits in seven innings, pitching the Eagles to a 4-2 win against Gilmore Academy. CJ became the ninth team in OHSAA history to win back-to-back state titles. Only nine teams. How about that? And, of course, Gongora couldn't pitch his senior year because... Coronavirus. So... Definitely a big commitment for Wright State. Uh, continuing to build the monster. Great college baseball program. I don't think I need to tell you my feelings on Wright State and Dayton. Dayton's growing. Wright State's been strong for the past few years. And Alex Sogard, the head coach at WSU, he's got a good left-hander. And looking forward to seeing Gongora pitch for the Raiders, hopefully in 2021. Actually, one of the interviews I did today, I mentioned that I hope Ohio State does reschedule the game at Wright State because that would be pretty cool to announce Buckeyes at Raiders. It'd be the first time Ohio State's played at Wright State since 1996 when men's soccer did that back in the day. So yeah, big commitment for Wright State and they continue to build the monster. So, great news. Now, this is the point of interest that I wanted to talk about. Like I mentioned, it's for our friends at Mount St. Joseph University. You have dual sports star in Cornell Beecham Jr. as the Heartland Male Athlete of the Year. That's the Heartland That's the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference. Not only do they have Mount St. Joseph, but they have Earlham College as well. D3 conference around here. So let me tell you a little about Cornell Beecham Jr. and why he got the Male Athlete of the Year Award from the Heartland. Not only does he play football, but he's also a wrestler. What did he do with the wrestling MSJ team? Oh, just 1,704 yards rushing and receiving with 17 touchdowns. And wrestling, well, 21 wins, no losses, and number one seed in the Division Three Championship before the pandemic hit. Yeah, that is getting it done for Mount St. Joseph. And Cornell Beecham Jr. is a former warrior of Witten Woods. And I think in previous episodes I mentioned how much I like Witten Woods. So, yeah, that's huge. That's awesome. First ever Heartland Male Athlete of the Year goes to Cornell Beecham Jr. of Mount St. Joseph University. So, congrats to Cornell on that well-deserved award. 21 wins and a number one ranking in Division Three. Collegiate wrestling, well, around here, it's all Division Three. There's not a D1 program outside Ohio State. Cleveland State might still have theirs, although it was rumored they were cutting it. But I think they reversed course on that. Yeah. Wright State had a program, cut it in the 90s. UD had a program, cut it in the 90s. Uh, Miami, Cincinnati, Xavier, and Northern Kentucky? Not sure on their history. But they probably had wrestling and probably cut it. But that's a shame, too, because, well, wrestling... You do need a venue to play. Duh. You need mats. You need the cleaning solution so that, you know, germs and stuff don't, you know, affect. But I want to see more collegiate wrestling. And it's 
it's something that I wish would happen, but it's, in the meantime, I've been enjoying MSJ Wrestling's updates because there's a lot of Cincinnatians staying put. There was an Eaton, Ohio wrestler, and I forget his name, but he's committed to Mount St. Joseph. I think the farthest one I saw said Georgia, Wisconsin. Two very different places, let me tell you, but yeah. This is from Lance McAllister in Cincinnati. That's the original tweet, and that's the one I retweeted. But like I mentioned, the football numbers, close to 2,000 yards, rushing, receiving, 17 touchdowns, and wrestling, not a loss, 21 wins, and the number one seed in D3. So yeah. It doesn't say what wrestling class it is, though, but that's okay. When you're number one, top, yeah. I I don't I, I it's still a, a great feat when you're number one. Also, there is something else I wanted to talk about, and there's another thing I wanted to talk about. This is why I don't use two laptops because then I get distracted and everything. So this one's more Horizon League affiliated, and this one's stemming from Wheeling U Athletics. This is formerly Wheeling uh, Jesuit, former foe of the Urbana. Blue Knights. Will Ryan, their head coach, resigned at Wheeling to accept a D1 head coaching position at Wisconsin Green Bay. Now, the firing that Green Bay had, uh, Link uh, Darcer, I think. Dorner? Darcer? I think it's Darcer. Yeah, that was surprising because Green Bay, let, let me tell you, defense, yeah, uh, might have not been the greatest, but. Man, could the Phoenix put up points. A worthy foe in men's basketball this year. So, he gets the boot, I think, during the quarantine. So, that 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 was a, that got a lot of people crushing that fall Green Bay and the Phoenix. I, I looked outside, and it's like, you know, it's probably what UIC did Steve McClain. They think they can do better, and whew, that coaching staff and the experience... Yeah, I think the Flames are going to be very interesting. Maybe not this upcoming year, because, you know, give a coach one year to kind of settle up and everything. But I've been wrong before. I mean, look at Brad Burnell, Wright State. His first year, NCAAs. First time since 1993 for Wright State. So, there you go. So, Will Ryan. What I didn't realize until earlier today, when I was helping my fiance with her job, son of Bo Ryan formerly of the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, son of Bo Ryan's coaching the Phoenix. That's pretty cool. Also, you might know Dick Bennett was once the head coach at Wisconsin Green Bay, and his son, Tony Bennett, oh, what'd he do? Oh, win a national championship with Virginia. And yes, if you want to bring that up, the first 116 loss in March Madness to UMBC, which is Maryland-Baltimore County. And what caused almost all of Twitter to follow UMBC Athletics. Because they are, they're like, they're probably the biggest smart alecks you can ever get from athletic department. So I, I dig them. So, but yeah, son of Bo Ryan, now head coach of Green Bay. And now Wheeling is looking for a new men's basketball coach. And, okay, I said one more thing. There are two more things. This one's quick, though. The Florence Yalls have introduced their brand new home jerseys. Do you like powder blue or sky blue? Well, you're going to love these because these are powder blue to the max. If you want to talk about 1980s where most of the away jerseys are powder blue, oh, let's see, Philadelphia Phillies, Kansas City Royals, St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers... I feel like I'm missing a team in there. Texas Rangers, did they have powder blue? I think they did. Montreal Expos, technically. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays, you get the point. Although, uh, is that really sky blue? Is that more just light blue? Who cares? Anyway, Florence Yalls, they recently introduced their new home jerseys. Like I mentioned, powder blue, white numbers, red shadows, and Yalls in red with the cursive logo. Powder blue hats with the Y and the star over the Y. And red bills. 
They have the red, white, red piping like the old Cincinnati Reds jerseys did. The Yalls worked with... It's just a funny thing to say. The Florence Yalls. I still miss the Freedom. I still miss the Freedom name, but the Yalls... In case you don't know the story, it's based on the water tower that was supposed to be for the Florence Mall, but because the mall wasn't going to be built for another two years, you can't have advertisements for something that doesn't exist. Seems sensible. So they took the mall and scraped off the outer legs and became Florence, y'all. There you go. You almost learned something today. But yeah, new home jerseys, spectacular. They also introduced a couple of alternative hats, uh, Y'all's is on one with red bill and uh, tricolor, white front, and uh, sky blue in the back. And the other one is sky blue bill, the Y logo again on white front, red back. So yeah, go fl- follow them at Florence underscore Y'all's, no apostrophe. You see these jerseys, you'll fall in love with them like I did. Last up. This has to do with the University of Cincinnati. This is from Mike Dyer. University of Cincinnati acknowledges petition that seeks to change the name of Marge Shot Stadium. A little bit of history time, Marge Shot. You might know her as being the GM of the Cincinnati Reds. And you might know that she wasn't the nicest to anyone that uh, was African American or of the Jewish faith or Asian American. And she had a thing for Adolf Hitler. I know, that's absolutely disgusting. Also, her St. Bernard dog used to crap all over the place at uh, Riverfront. Or Synergy at the time, I guess. Actually, when was Synergy? Was that 96? I don't know, who cares? So, yeah. Beautiful ballpark at UC. I was hoping to get a chance to announce a game there. But, unfortunately, all the times I got... I was either at UD or Wright State. But beautiful ballpark. It's right off the main drag. It's by Vine. It's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful field. Artificial turf. And lots of shade. Great press box. Once upon a time, UC used to play at, what was it, Johnny Bench Field? Also, I should mention, Mike Dyer tweeted it, but he also got help with Reggie Wilson, who used to be the sports director at... ABC 22, Fox 45, up here in Dayton. So both of them worked on this article. The online petition seeking to change the name of UC's baseball stadium had 7,581 online signatures at 4.45 Tuesday. Day recording, that would be 24 hours ago. On the dot, look at that. The change.org petition was started by former UC outfielder in Jordan Ramey, who was also a Moeller High School graduate. Ramey said he wants to see the name of UC's baseball stadium change because of repeated offensive remarks the late shot made in the 1990s as the Cincinnati Reds owner. I said GM. I'm sorry. Owner. Shot died in 2004. The new athletic director at UC, John Cunningham, said in a statement Monday afternoon he's always open to speaking with student-athletes about their concerns. The next scheduled meeting for UC Board of Trustees is June 23rd, so 13 days from now according to the board website. And also one of the captains of UC's baseball team, Nathan Moore, a senior right-hander, tweeted his support for the name change as well. And his tweet reads, it's got the link for the petition. To amazing Cincinnati, to baseball fans, to everyone, please read this and make a small decision that will spark great change. Moore said he's asking UC to change the name of the March Shot Stadium prior to the start of next season, 2021. So yeah, I mentioned... March shot, owner of the Reds, like Adolf Hitler for some dumb reason that, yeah, it's awful. And her hatred for pretty much everyone, I guess. Just, uh. So, yeah, I mean, I like this wave of change, and I think it'd be nice to have a different name. Former Boston Red Sox standout and three-time All-Star Kevin Euclid, a former UC baseball player, tweeted on Sunday he agrees with more in the petition. Euclid tweeted, We should change the name of the University of Cincinnati Baseball Stadium. And he stood with Nike Nate 2. 
<laughs> Kevin Euclid's Twitter name is Greek God of Hops. That's great. Why not Kevin Euclid? I think he's the last pro from UC to get to the majors. I think. Although we do have AJ Bumpus in Cincinnati Reds minor league market, and that reminds me, there's another thing I want to talk about. See, I feel like I don't have a lot to talk about, and then I do, but there we go. So there's two more things to cover, if I can find that list, if I didn't delete it. Like, oh, there it is. Nice. But yeah, I I agree. I, I would love to see that change. And my cousin, who is a graduate of St. Ursula Academy down south in Cincinnati, a girls-only school. There's five girls-only schools and four boys-only schools in Cincinnati. She shared, I don't know if she started, I think she just shared, a petition to change the name of two things at St. Ursula. One is, what is it, Shoddy Stadium? This is going off muscle memory. And the other one is Shot Hall or something like that. I might have it reversed. I might have it incorrect, but my idea is correct. So, yeah, I, I like it. And I'm probably going to sign the petition after I get all this done. Josh Harrison, oh, forgot all about Josh Harrison. You know, if we didn't have uh, Eugenio Suarez, I'd say go get Harrison, make him play third. Former Princeton Viking, former UC Bearcat, that'd be great. He also tweeted his support for the change as well. The UC Baseball Stadium was constructed in 2004, and the facility was named Marge Schott Stadium in the spring of 2006. After the Marge and Charles J. Schott Foundation made a $2 gift, excuse me, $2 million gift to the Richard E. Linder Varsity Village. The stadium is located directly east of Johnny Bench Field, the Bearcats' previous home where Euclid played in college. It's Johnny Bench Field. So, I mean, that that's a battle for the $2 million gift. I... I'm not defending anything Shaw did. Don't get me wrong. But you have a gift. I, I don't know how easy it is to change. I'm not in any form of power, nor do I claim to be. But who knows? The article continues on. This is from WCPO, by the way. Like I mentioned, Mike Dyer and Reggie Wilson helping out the cause. Ramey mentions that it's important to him, his family, because he's from Cincinnati. You look at the world and, you know, you say, oh, yeah, you want to change X, Y, and Z out there, right? It's all out there. There's a lot of things that could change in Cincinnati that we will change. So I'm very confident in the people who are around me who stepped up to support this petition on this. And he also told the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati, he emailed UC President Neville Pinto about the petition. So definitely, if you agree I'd say go sign it yourself. It's a change.org. Actually, promise it's a long URL. It's change the name of University of Cincinnati's March Shot Stadium. And at this time of recording, 8,242 have signed. 244. 245. Let's get to 10,000. I don't think. He's going to have a problem getting to 10000 So definitely, if you believe in that cause too, go assign it. Go and sign it. Not go assign it. Go and sign it. And Jordan Ramey mentions why. Again, like I mentioned, she was banned from MLB for support of the Nazi Party leader Adolf Hitler in 1996. Also said multiple racial slurs towards African Americans, Jews, and the people of Japanese ancestry. And Bug Selig at the time, the executive council chairman, and also, I believe, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Mrs. Schott's remarks reflect the most base and demeaning type of racial and ethnic stereotyping, indicting an insensitivity that cannot be accepted or tolerated by anyone in baseball. So there you go. Again, change.org. Sign it there if you want to. And I'm going to sign it as soon as I get done with episode 155. There is another thing I'd like to talk about. I promise it's the last one. Then we'll talk about 
next week for the podcast. You might be well uncultured even. The battle of MLB and the Players Union trying to get the 2020 season on. And I don't know if we will have baseball or not. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is there have been major cuts to most minor league baseball markets, meaning teams have cut a lot of players. Keep in mind, 2021 is now when MILB is going to look a whole lot different with 20-some less teams in it. The Cincinnati Reds recently cut 48 people, 48 out of a job. And I will go over these names. There's a lot of former Dayton Dragons on here. And it's also listed by position, which is very, very helpful. First baseman Bruce Yari, Cameron Warren, Gavin Lavalley, and Jorge Sequera. They have been cut. Second baseman Cash Case, which uh, that disappointed me because you have a player named Cash Case. Is that not the greatest name? Third baseman Caleb Van Blake and Luis Tejada. You have catchers Edward Guzman, Frondi Rodriguez, Hunter Oliver, Morgan Lofstrom, and Yamil Naves. Outfielders and Christian Olivo, Emilio Garcia, Jefferson Geraldo, Jose Pineda, uh, Miles Gordon, and Randy Ventura. Shortstops, uh, Leniel Perez, Samuel Comenares, and Thomas Laura. And pitchers, we'll start with left-handers. Andy Cox, Miseo Lopez, Miseo, Miseo, I don't know. Ruben Nunez and Tyler J. Right-handers, there's a lot of them. Adrian Rodriguez, Alan Beltre, Andres Falcon, Andrew McDonald, Austin Orweiler, Carlos Santos, Daniel Duarte, Denis Mier Taveras, Dylan Rayolt, I believe that's right. Israel Lantigua, Jake Paulson, Jeffrey Nino, Jordan Johnson, Jose Lopez, Jose Ortiga, Maco Manuel, Manny Reyes, Orlando Rodriguez, Raul Hernandez, Ronaldo Mota, Walker Reichel, Willie Mendez, and Yoel Diaz. That's 48. At the time I took this screenshot on my phone that was one of the top numbers I think the New York Yankees got rid of 50 players and Seattle was rumored to be getting rid of a lot more players like the Mariners were going to clean house it's very sad to see anyone get released now many of these players I saw with the Dayton Dragons Bruce Yari, Cameron Warren, Gavin Lavallee. I saw them as Dragons. Not in the same year, but they all came through Dayton. Bruce Yari had a very nice bat. He always competed fairly well in Dayton. Cameron Warren got off to a slow start, then had a hot start, and I think he cooled off by the end of last season. Gavin Lavallee, it's weird that he listed as a first baseman, because he was a third baseman in Dayton. And yes, I know, players can switch positions anytime from insert one place to another. I get that, but Lavallee was always a third baseman. Cash Case, he did not get to Dayton, although it was projected he would in 2020. I think Caleb Van Blake was going to be in Dayton this year. Uh, Morgan Lofstrom was a dragon. He was normally the third-string catcher. Got a lot of playing time last year. Andy Cox, a former Tennessee volunteer, had Tommy John surgery and was on the comeback routes. Uh, Sometimes he was roughed up. Other times he was back to his old self. He was stellar. And it makes me sad to see he's on the list. Adrian Rodriguez, he... Bounced around from starter to bullpen relief a couple times. And also, I think he was the one that had the nickname of Duck in Spanish. And I forget what that word is, but if you know it, there you go. Actually, I skipped over outfielders. Miles Gordon, speedy, speedy outfielder. It makes me sad to see him on this list. Randy Ventura, too. Both very good outfielders. I mean... 
last year. Miles Gordon coming back to Dayton. He batted as high as, what was it, 441 and had hits in, oh, he had a long hitting streak. Not as long as Jose Siri's streak back in 2017, but you get what I'm saying. Randy Ventura, he was picked up from the Braves single-A team by Cincinnati a few years back, and he always batted fairly well. Uh, he's not the tallest player out there, no, but, hey, he always competed hard, and he's one of, of the players I always liked watching when he was in Dayton. I mentioned Adrian Rodriguez, uh, Andrew McDonald, former Mason Comet. He got cut last year, did well in some parts, there was, I think it was one or two games where he gave up a lot of runs. But, yeah, it was nice to see a local kid getting a chance with the Reds' farm system. You have Austin Orweiler, who I've always liked. He kind of looks like Joey Votto in a sense, but Rice University product. His record weren't great, but his ERA is always around the 330 mark. So, not bad. Looking through the list, try to see if I recognize any names. Jake Paulson, he was part of the Dragons bullpen a few years back. Jordan Johnson's name sounds familiar, but I don't think it's the same one. Also, Jose Lopez. I don't think I'm thinking of the same Jose Lopez. And that's all the pitchers. Shortstops never made to Dayton. So, the Reds are going to be losing... What is it, four teams in 2021 if nothing changes between now and then? Like I mentioned, I hate to see anyone get cut. But, yeah, 48 during the quarantine where you wonder when you're going to play, if you're going to play. Eh, yeah, it's it's not great. Although the Reds, a couple days later, would say, hey, we will make sure the rest of the minor leaguers are taken care of for I think the rest of the season I think or no until the end of August but that is most likely the end of the minor league season unless you make the playoffs of course so yeah that's all I wanted to cover and the last thing is next week I am planning on having a podcast releasing frenzy what does that mean? Well, it means I have several interviews to do. In fact, I had two right off the bat, and they are very, very good. So I'm considering, it's not finalized yet, but I'm considering having at least five episodes released next week. Maybe seven. I haven't decided yet. If you listen to this and say, wow, that's a really bad idea. I should probably stop him from doing this travesty. Then go ahead and tell me, but... My whole plan is I want to stay on top of my craft, and this is the only way to do it because I don't have a sports to call, and my baseball season got wiped away. So there you go. By the way, Prospect League and Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, they're not playing in 2020. I'm pretty sure I covered it in a previous episode, but now you know just in case you didn't listen to it. So... Yeah, I'm thinking about releasing a lot of episodes. It would be one per day if I do it. And, yeah. If you like the idea, say something. If you don't, say something. If you're indifferent, raise your hands in the air like you just don't care. Or something like that. But that will close it out. Episode 155, The Birthday Bash where I cover several topics without having a script in front of me, and it turned out to be about an hour long. Because that was my plan the whole time. Like I said, I got another interview tonight, and I got two the next few days, and then one on Saturday. So I have a full slate, and I am very happy, because these guests are people you need to hear from. I mean, that's... When I started this podcast, I always wanted to cover Cincinnati Dayton sports, but little do, you know, I don't want to say little do you know, but I feel like people need to know about the fine folks that make sports happen. So that's why I like doing this. That will do it for episode 155. 
And our first episode of the Blast and Flash and Week, I forgot what I already called it. Uh, we will have the voice of the Chilla Coffee Paints and Jacob Wise as our special guest. And it turned out quite well. And I hope you enjoy it when it is released. But until then, this is the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. And we'll talk to you again for episode one. 56. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mallon's mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.